This episode of The Sleeper and the Bus is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 19, the best baseball strategy game ever made. Available now on PC, Mac, and Linux platforms. It's officially licensed by MLB and the MLBPA, allowing you to take any team from any era, from any level, and run it the way you want with unprecedented depth, control, and authenticity. New features for this year include dramatic 3D ballpark and player improvements, an all-new tournament mode, allowing for infinite combinations, all new scouting systems, significant AI adjustments based on the latest trends, and so much more. Even better, if you order now through the Sleeper in the Bus podcast, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to OOTP Developments and clicking on the order banner. Just enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout. Once again, just go to OOTPDevelopments.com, click on the order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout for a special discount that helps support the Sleeper in the Bust. Thanks. Welcome to episode 568 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It's June 29th. It's Friday. I was supposed to say Friday, then June 29th. Keep it in, Justin. We're going. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Justin Mason. Justin, it's been a while, man. How are you? I know. It feels like I haven't talked to you in forever. We, we recorded early before you went to Colorado, and this week we're recording on a Friday Late. so we can uh, mm-hmm. avoid Kyle Gibson weed whacking uh, by your we won't. We won't eliminate thursday afternoons okay uh, but i did say when justin and i were figuring out when to go i was like yeah you know we don't have to go thursday afternoon because that's usually when they're here we won't take that off the table completely but just for this week we decided to uh yeah, we, put we it at a, a time a couple more weeks of fridays once i start school back up again i think i've got a friday class so that may be more difficult to do but i want to go back to weed whacking thursdays yeah, yeah well so, we'll kyle and our trio podcast kyle will be back don't worry because God knows he's not spending any time on uh, honing his craft because he's getting knocked around by the whites. <laughs> I can't. I can't even go through. He with still it, went though, seven. He still went seven. Well, and it's a three forty ADRA. On, like he's been so good that the meme is no just wins. like no wins. Like they oh, will not win a game team, for him. That team sucks. Oh, it's and so they suck out loud, man. Like I don't understand. <laughs> They've had all the opportunities in the world with Cleveland. Kind of they were meandering along. Now they're like eight or ten over five hundred. And the Twins had all these opportunities, and they took no advantage. They finally bypassed the uh, the amazing Tigers, who went on a skid, which is not that bad, by the way. Uh, they were they've all been like close games. So I'm telling you, I'm getting my perfect thing here: watchable baseball, and then some losses. You know, because what do the Tigers need to? Uh, Do you remember when a division was this bad, though? Because we, um, other times, other Centrals, because the Tigers oh. would get. It'd be like, well, why did the Tigers get to play that division? And then, you know, Boston, New York, or or when the West would be good. It, it's definitely been this division at some point in recent history. I don't know what year, You're but gonna yes. You're going to have two teams that are 10 games below 500, and then mm-hmm. two teams that are like 20 games below 500. Yep. It's going to be. And then you're going to have like a third place um, AL West team that is going to be better than. Maybe anybody in the Central, but definitely everyone but Cleveland at the ver- at the very least. I'm sure it's happened before, but like legitimately, I cannot remember there ever being 200 lost teams in a division, and we have a chance for that. 
We really do. And it's it's been wild. I can't remember when it when it happened either. Maybe one of our listeners can let us know, but it's definitely um it's 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 giving off that vibe and I mean the Tigers just lost nine straight. That I don't know if there could be three in a division, but it's gonna be three putrid teams. So maybe you're you're you know, in, in this day and age, um Player discovery is probably not the best avenue to get a leg up because of the internet. Like there aren't too many guys that are truly hidden. So you have to look for different angles to, to get an edge. Maybe going through the schedules and finding out uh, you know, who's got the most Tigers, White Sox, and Royals, obviously outside of the Twins and Indians, that might be your angle. And and try to figure That's a out a really good idea actually. How to maximize that with that seems with, like a really good idea for an article. Right? And, and map out the streaming pitchers, especially in late August and September when you're making playoff push and the playoffs itself because that division is just so god-awful. And if they can sprinkle in some Baltimore with that, if you've got a team that's facing like one of Tigers, White Sox, Royals, Baltimore, and Texas, like two or three of those five teams regularly, whew, that is stream city right there with just about any arm. So, um, but yeah, and we'll see what happens with trade movement, which kind of leads us into our first topic. We're going to talk a couple trade things right now, some guys coming back from injuries, and then we're going to talk buy high pitchers. We talked buy high hitters last time out, guys like Max Muncy, which by the way, just continues to absolutely dominate. Jake's digging in his heels, though. He said, no, still don't buy. <laughs> Jake's like, no, 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 I, I'm staying on brand. I, I I don't buy this. I think it's more tongue-in-cheek, but Muncy's been amazing. But uh, let's start with trades. And we saw we got an MLB trade rumor uh, notification the other day, if you have notifications on, that the Mets are open. They're listening to offers on Thor and DeGrom, which – it's just smart business, right? Like you, you should not close that off no matter what, whether you intend to trade them or not. Do you think either gets traded, traded and if so, which one between Noah Syndergaard and Jacob deGrom? Mm, I don't think either gets traded because um, part of the problem, you know, we we're just talking about how bad the teams are in the AL Central. Like part of the problem is it feels like this is going to be a year where there's way more sellers than there are buyers, especially in the American League. This is the league. NBA, man. It's a haves and have-nots league right now. It really is. I mean, the American League could be decided with the playoff teams by the time we get to the trade deadline. It really, like, clearly, it, maybe the one thing that would be up for grabs would be the the, the second wild card in the West. But even, but, but like those contenders would be established. six in a row recently, like... And like, every player. Like, Seattle NBA. needs an implosion, like to not wrap up that second wild card at this point. I mean, they're seven games up on the A's. Yep. And like, I don't buy the A's as a team that are going to compete late into the season. Um, I do like Oakland, but they don't have enough starting pitching right now. Yeah. And, and I, I had some love for them coming into the season based on some things uh, that cannot happen now because of injuries with uh, AJ Puck and Andrew Cotton specifically. I thought both would be key assets for them. So it's basically Manaya and a band of idiots. Uh, Montas, his regression monster took a visit to him, but he was facing the Tigers. Yeah, but just so much contact. And like, I know the Tigers are struggling, but they, 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 they brought those numbers back to where they belong because he just, he has like a one five strikeout to walk ratio. Frankie Montas does at least Manaya is pitching better, but then even Mengden who'd been pitching well, um, until recent stretches on the DL Cahill weirdly, I know, Prepare for this because it's crazy news. Is on the DL. Uh, Andrew Triggs is. I know. I, I know. I hated to be the one to break it to you because it's just such a shocking thing to hear. Uh, so yeah, I'm with you. Bottom line is, I, I I'm with you that 
I can't put them as a favorite. I do think they're a froggy team, and if they they went out and made a move for a big arm, but I don't know who those big arms are outside of like a, a Degrom Syndergaard. And I don't know that the A's have the horses to get that done. So it's the way the market's just working out. It's like, well, who's going to trade for one of them because you got to give so much? Do they really need that edge? It would be basically an October trade for anybody that did it, right? Yeah, and I, th- I mean, you would think. I mean, let's just look at the teams that are going to be buyers. Milwaukee could do it. Yeah, and um, maybe should, by the way. And you no, know, definitely should. Like Milwaukee should just empty out that farm system for. Well, they don't even have to because it's a deep system. They can yeah. give mm-hmm. a, a a big haul and not completely decimate their system. Yeah, and I just, you know, because I mean, Houston's not going to do it, so that that takes them out. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think the Mets want to trade either of them to the Yankees, so that takes them out. Cleveland's or not in division, do it. by the way. They don't or, want to trade through one of those three teams in division. Um, you know, so you've got the Red Sox that could legitimately take a shot. Could they, though? Dude, I was Okay, I didn't realize this. I should have known because it's Dombrowski and it's like his favorite thing to do is decimate a system. Mm-hmm. But he has decimated that system. It would have to come at the expense. You know, this is something I was just on the fan, uh, Fantasy Pros podcast earlier today. Um, and uh, Bobby, uh, the host over there said like you you know and I agree with him it would have to come at a cost to the major league system so like Devers, Devers yeah was was the answer there I I don't know that Boston wants to hurt their their major league team for what is essentially kind of just uh you know uh, icing on the cake kind of piece yeah it, it wouldn't be uh, obviously Thor and DeGrom are, are amazing we're not they saying are. that they aren't but how much are you really gaining to to get one of them because you know they, if they, it's Thor for this year because who knows what you'll get out of him the rest of the season that's more mm-hmm. of a longer term play like I think the Angels the Angels have rebuilt that that system the Angels should like throw whatever it takes to go get Thor Epler's done a great job and they've actually got some prospects now and I wonder if they've got enough to kind of get it done it might have to be more of a quantity over quality thing they still have Joe Adele Kevin Maiton. Uh, atop that list, but I don't know that Maiton has enough juice to like really kind of get it done on his own uh, or as a centerpiece. Amazing, like uh, Adele could be the centerpiece of of a deal. Uh, you moving if, him then? Would would you would you be open if you're the Angels to saying sure. let's uh, like if you're getting Thor, you know, under team control, I think through 2021, I believe mm-hmm. off the top of my head. Um, so you favor yeah. Thor, by the way? Well, for, I mean, for longer term, for this year, I, I favor Degrom because I just don't know what you're. You're going, but I don't think the Angels with Otani, and we'll, we'll talk about him. Oh, actually, we're not talking about him on this. Side. Actually, we should. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. You're right. You're, you're right. I forgot. To, I forgot to put him on there. I you got know, focused on the rehab guys, but I will include him here. You know, on this, if you're uh, making a play rundown. for 2019 through 2020, then yeah, go get Thor now. Why not? Like, isn't he like technically at the lowest point of value that he's going to be at with all the injuries over the last year and a half? It's so. certainly hard to see it going lower. So that, that's where you're you're focused on the Angels. I I think it's going to be kind of smoke I don't think anyway. Either I don't think moved. yes. Uh, we we are in lockstep there. So it's a lot of fun to kind of bat it around because it'd be such a big move. And if they came to one of them came to the AL, Degrom or Thor, that'd be a massive thing for fantasy um, because of the fab bidding. But bottom line is we don't really see it getting done. Now this next one has to get done, or else it's Fold up the organization if it, you're so stupid. It has and you can't to, get but I don't know that it does. <laughs> I, Manny Machado on the Baltimore Orioles 
they're done. They're complete, you know, they're complete trash. They need to do it. They should have, it's already, he should have already been long gone. Let's just be honest about it. This is not hindsight. This is, everyone knew this. Now you have a rental for a couple months. They got to move him, right? You got to get something. I, you have to. Uh, you have to. But, you can still pull a real centerpiece prospect too. I think you can, and I think there are plenty of teams that would love to have him even just as the rental yep. um, and would pay a pretty penny because as much as there are going to be a number of guys on the trade block, I don't think there is an impact shortstop uh, no. like this on the block. Um, and if you've got short, you could always move him to third. Yeah, that's the beauty of of Machado. You can really go one of two spots. So it's uh, oof. I I think if I'm if I'm a betting man, it's the Dodgers. Yep, same here. I was asked that exact thing in the stream yesterday. Like, if you had to bet, I'm like, okay, well, if, if I'm trying to get it right, just I'm going to take the basic the basic answer. I have a wild card Dodgers. team that I think. Let's hear it. Uh, needs to go and do this and people are gonna think it's crazy but washington the tigers oh washington needs to make this happen they need to get him put him at third or at short move trey turner or rendon over to second murphy over to first full time um you know they got they need to make this happen um you know harper last year of his deal machado last year go win a championship you know and i mean Baltimore and D.C. are 30 minutes apart, depending on how bad Beltway traffic is. So it's not like, you know, it's not like people who, you know, have been rooting for the Orioles wouldn't root for, uh, you know, Machado as a national. It's it makes a ton of sense. They're a team that is not running away with this division like they were supposed to. This is that piece that can do it. Washington needs to make this happen. But I think the Dodgers is. The Dodgers and potentially the Cubs are the top top teams here. Diamondbacks seem to be chasing it pretty heavily as well. I don't know and that the Diamondbacks have the firepower for it though. That that's that's let's talk about a little bit of that. So let's start with your wild card team here, Washington. Is it taking Robles to get it done? Robles and then ancillary piece or two? I think like, that's probably what it is, but they can afford that. Like that's the thing, like Washington has the depth of young pieces. Like even losing Harper, the, they're still going to have an outfield of of Eaton, Michael Taylor, uh, and Soto next year. Mm-hmm. So they with Robles, all, yeah, just kind of with, with Robles like battling it out with Taylor and center. So like they can afford to lose that. You know, maybe it's Carter Keyboom. That's what I was going to say next because he's also he's actually a shortstop, right? R- r- right now, at least. I think he's. Um, I think he'll end up being a second baseman. Okay, it's what it sounds like. I talked to Chris Blessing uh, on my radio show on, on Sunday, and he thinks that he, while he can play short, that he his his future home is probably second base. But that's uh, Carter Keboom's uh, top one hundred guy ETA of twenty twenty. So they're, you're not waiting forever on him. He was their their first round pick last year, or just excuse me, made two it to years ago, a, uh, about just, a week ago. And so that that way you keep Robles. You say, listen, it's a rental. We can't give you Robles, but we got Keboom here. That could be interesting. Um, or if it's not one of those two, then I think it's a, a quantity over quality thing where you're talking about three, four guys that are all kind of solid. And then maybe one emerges, right? Just because we don't – and I, I say we as more of a general thing because I know a lot of folks do heavily follow uh, prospects. But for those of you that aren't in a league that requires deep knowledge of prospects, 
just because you don't know maybe anybody beyond the top three guys, there there are studs that that emerge obviously from the uh, from the three to twenty five ranks on prospect lists all the time. So they could get a collection of talent there. So that's Washington. You mentioned the Dodgers as the favorite. I totally agree there. There, I'm not even sure I want to get into who it could be because they have so many options because they are. They just have an embarrassment of riches. They could get it done kind of any way they wanted. A Verdugo. I was going to say, if you're Baltimore, who would be your target? I mean, is it, I is would, it Verdugo? I would say it's probably like a Starling Heredia. Um, okay. Or like maybe like uh, because he's younger. Um, he's got some upside, but like it's not going to take away from the upper levels of the minors. Maybe uh, y- uh, Yadier Alvarez. If they want to try to buy low on a former top prospect who's lost a little bit of sheen, um, you know, maybe that's maybe, a big arm, Yadier yeah. Alvarez. I like Verdugo, by the way. He, but he's their number one guy too. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so they might say, you know, let's get and away Verdugo's from the number a one guy. Real life uh, prospect, than he is a fantasy prospect. I agree. I people are are overrating him as a fantasy. He's going to be like a Melky Cabrera and Melky's prime. He can kind of do. Everything. Yeah, which is super valuable, especially in like 15-team leagues. But I think people think he's going to be a little bit more uh, than maybe he is. He's going to have a lot of real-life value. Um, and with Adam Jones departing, he could be the opening day center fielder he in could Baltimore be there. next year. He could be a 10-year guy, a 10-year center fielder. And then, again, I, I think in the case of if it's a Verdugo or a Kybert Ruiz, a catching prospect, then it's more of this guy and then maybe a couple guys that – only the real prospect hounds even know about. And if it's more of a Yadier Alvarez uh, or Starling Heredia situation, maybe it could be both of them and another, you know, it, it could be more of a collection. So I th- it's going to be tough, though, because it's that rental and teams aren't trying to pay as much for rentals. I'd love them to go get DJ Peters. I don't know if you know much about him. I am very familiar. With, well, let me back up. I'm not very familiar with him. I'm familiar with him. I know him. Uh, he's got great lettuce and big power, right? Oh yeah, I mean, just he he just smashes the ball. Mm-hmm. It's, like he's gonna strike out. He's huge. <laughs> yes, um, six six two twenty five is what we have him listed for on Fangraphs. Uh, I don't think that two twenty five is accurate. Uh, <laughs> You're thinking about him in summer in Camden, right? And yeah. and you're. You're freaking out right now. Yeah, yeah. exactly. DJ Peters would absolutely obliterate the ball, um, and he could be an interesting one. So the Dodgers got a million ways to go. Let's talk about Arizona real quick because they, they are in here. But what are we looking at? John Duplantier, Pavin Smith, Jazz Chisholm. Those are their top three guys uh, on MLB's side. W- what's it taking there? Is it is it definitely whoever their top guy is to get this done? I think... I think it's probably their top two guys, and I just don't think that that even is. I I mean, maybe that's what they want to do. Maybe they see this as their window. They see the National League as kind of wide open, um, and them on top of a, a, a you know competitive division, and and this puts them over the top. Um, if if that's the case, then go for it. But I think uh, they would probably have to give up. Uh, both du, uh, Duplantier and, and Pavin Smith uh, in, mm-hmm. in that system, and I don't know that that's something they're going to want to do. Yeah, I that that's an interesting one. They've been rumored heavily. I'm I'm here for it though, in terms of too. saying, listen, this is our chance. We bounced around some guys. We're getting better performance out of Daniel Descalso than we expected. Uh, Nick Ahmed's a good defender, but he hasn't really clicked with the bat. He's shown a few things here and there, but it's never really coalesced. 
And so let's get Machado in there. And and then there's your huge bat right in the middle with Goldie. Oh my God. And I mean that that could just be insane. So I said they should they should keep pushing hard, but we'll see if they continue to. And then the last one you mentioned, the Cubs. Their system's pretty thin too, right? It's a lot of young guys. It is, but so they I, can like center it around Addison Russell. It would be Oh, that's interesting. Yes, because then you're getting a guy who's still very young. Uh, or excuse me, I'll back up on very. He's still young. There's still you can easily see growth potential in a 24-year-old Russell. Again, you talk about unlocking some power, get him in Camden in the summer, and maybe we start to see more of the 25 to 30 homer power as opposed to kind of the 20, the low 20s, high teens homer power that we've seen out of Addie Russell. You guys know I've been a huge Russell fan, so I, I'm definitely uh, hoping that he kind of you know, breaks out from where he's at right now, but uh, it's been kind of middling to this point. But you're right, that could be the centerpiece, and then you throw in a prospect or two. But, uh, you know, the funny thing is, is that Baltimore's going to not trade him. They're gonna yeah, and that's this. that's the hard part. It's like we just had a what ten minute conversation on this, um, and uh, would it surprise me at all that they just say no? Nope, we're just gonna run out the yeah. clock on this guy. You know, uh, couldn't find the right deal. <laughs> Some stupid stuff like that. You just oh god. Anyway, let's move, let's move on. We'll keep an eye on all the trade stuff. Those are the two main rumors right now going with with the aces from the the Yankee uh, from the Mets. Excuse me. And then Machado. We'll get more into it in the coming weeks, without a doubt. Uh, but let's talk about some injuries. You mentioned Shohei Otani. They're talking about maybe bringing him back as a hitter. We heard rumors of this early. Um, I think this was the week or or any moment now was mm-hmm. when they're getting the reassessment. I guess we kind of had that reassessment. And it's cleared. like cleared to hit. How do you feel about this? I hate this. I absolutely hate this. I, I could tell in your voice. <laughs> this, is, this, this really, really uh, angers me. Um, because you know what's gonna happen is he he's gonna he's gonna like fully tear this thing, and then we're not gonna see him till 2020, um, and it's gonna have made no sense. It's uh, it just I don't I don't like this. The I, only part I'll push back on on the not making sense is, I mean he's been a great hitter, so if they're getting more of a full time hitter of Otani, and I'm not saying that he would necessarily hold his 150. OPS plus, but if he's a, a, a 125 or better sort of guy and they're getting consistent at-bats out of him, that's certainly a help. It's not for nothing, but it just feels like this is some garbage where he's like leading off a of first. He has to dive back in and like rips the whole thing. And and it would probably happen on like September 28th. So it'd be like as late as possible See, I'm, to I'm then gonna, just... I'm going to push back on you because... And you, don't, you and I don't argue as much as uh, I think maybe we used to. Uh, when when we first started uh, podcasting together, as you, when you be uh, be a guest on my show on the Friends of Fantasy Benefits show, but he, he was a good hitter for like the first month, and the last month before he got hurt, he was not a good hitter. Like he walked, but he was striking out thirty percent of the time, hitting two thirty six. Um, okay, he came down from the hot start though. So so he got a hot start. He got figured out, and like like this isn't like did he get figured out though? He well, we don't know because he never had a chance to readjust. So like, and that's that's true. That's true. But, you know, okay, so... I, I think I think the jury is still out on what he is as a hitter, and I think we still kind of remember how hot he was for those first few weeks. Um, 
and we we go okay that's who he is i don't think that's who he is i think well, i think he's still super raw as a hitter i was the one calling him jock peterson and yeah, saying and that i think that, you're still right that's what they were that's what they're getting of course jock peterson's now like the best player in the world yes um since May 1st, though, so we'll lop off the April when he had a 1065 OPS. 22 games, 82 plate appearances since May 1st. He's got an 809 OPS. If you just look at qualified batters, 809 is Miguel Andujar and Azdrubal Cabrera. They both have 809. That's the 55th and 56th uh, players in the league. If you're talking about a top 60 hitter, though, that's still a pretty big benefit to have that and be getting something from him. I understand your risk. And I understand what you're suggesting is that like he's even worse than that. I guess the big question with Otani hitting more of a full-time situation is, would he start to get looks against lefties, or would he still be protected? Because he's only he's only had 33 plate appearances against them and been terrible, by the way, Atrocious. 451 OPS. So is he just um, is he's he just Jock Peterson? Peterson? <laughs> <laughs> he's Jock Peterson. Like okay, and, like, and I'm not I'm not I'm not saying that like. Like this, like he's super young, and I, he, you know, he obviously hasn't had the at bats that even a super young guy up at the majors has had. So, like, he's there's still plenty of growth potential, but mm-hmm. he's not special as a hitter. Like, he's special as a pitcher. Why are we risking so the, the the eliteness in his profile, which is his arm? And I, I just don't like, I understand, like, don't get me wrong, I get why Anaheim's doing this. I think it's ridiculous. Okay. No, I, 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 I can see that. And especially when you're concerned about risking the, the, the pitching for a, you know, plus bat, but how plus you're, you're, we're thinking more just over league average versus, like I said, the 150 OPS plus that he has right now for Otani. Uh, fantasy wise, though, are you, well, I guess probably not then, but are you scooping Otani hitter where he's available? I mean, if he's available in a 15-team league where I can kind of use him in a platoon situation when he's not facing a lefty, sure, why not? Okay. Um, but I doubt he's available there because I think most yeah, most places enough. don't have Otani, the hitter. I mean, I, I think what Yahoo is... It's Yahoo just the one player. Tat Wars <laughs> um, are exactly. like the two places that do. It's I think everywhere else he's just the one player, and I think... Hopefully, people are stashing him on the on just the chance that he comes back. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't cut Otani right now. Um, so yeah, we'll keep them up. We'll keep monitoring that. We'll see where it's at. He's been cleared, but we don't know when he's going to get back in the lineup or anything. Come off the DL. A uh, few rehabs starting. Paul DeYoung and AJ Pollock. You know, Paul DeYoung is down to forty three percent in ESPN leagues. Um, is he someone you're going to get in those sorts of leagues? Ten. 10 12 team mixers are you are you going to scoop paul de young right now waiting out the rehab um or would you rather would you rather continue to play the wire i think if i've been playing the wire and i haven't landed on like a guy who has performed really well like a brandon crawford or something like that um i think i would because uh you know what he's doing while it seemed completely unsustainable coming into the year He's somehow managed to sustain it and actually well, somewhat make it a little bit better because he's actually he made improvements. Like yep. he, he he doubled his walk rate uh, in the forty-one game sample we saw, um, and he's shown better uh, a better plate approach. Uh, you know, swinging much less outside of the zone, dropped his O swing percentage by almost nine percentage points. Uh, 
and continuing to just beat the crap out of the ball too like, for, like, for Paul DeYoung. Like I don't get how he's making it all work, but he does. And sometimes people just beat the, you know, beat the metrics. Like there's. Hey, we were both saying like, be careful here. We hate this plate approach. We don't like Paul DeYoung. The fact that he changed means we're open to saying, okay, there's changes here. Uh, I'm more in than I was coming into the year 100% because I was running away completely. I think he can survive uh, with, with these changes, still a high strikeout rate, and but a, a near average walk rate at 9.4%. I think he can live with that, and he still just crushes the ball. So I'm scooping DeYoung anywhere he's available. Um, and again, where he's available, we're talking 8, 10, 12 team leagues, but I would I would give him a shot there. AJ Pollock's not really available, but uh, what are your expectations out of Pollock the rest of the season, assuming, which is a rough thing to do, but assuming a modicum of health? I mean, if we're assuming health, I think he's, you know, uh, an all-star caliber talent. I just don't know. Do you buy the studliness we saw for 40 games? 11 homers, 9 steals? Maybe not to that level, especially in the batting average department. I feel like that may have been a tad bit overrated, but and the power seems a little fluky for me, considering he's playing in chase with the humidor. Uh, and I mean, I guess he has shown levels of power like this in in 2015, but not even quite to this level. Mm-hmm. So I think the power probably takes a step back. Average might, but the speed will be there. Um, you know, it's a good lineup. He's going to be hitting on top of it. So the run support around him should be fine. Uh, I just don't know how you can trust the health and there's nothing you can really do because you can't buy him right now because whoever's selling him is going to want full price with him coming back. Mm -hmm. And whoever you try to sell him to is going to want a discount. So it's like, you're kind of just stuck in a holding pattern. um, I agree. And, and kind of praying that he doesn't hurt himself but like I have little to no faith that that is possible. I mean, it's hard for Pollock. I mean, he plays hard, and and his body doesn't always hold up to the beating that that he that he inflicts on it with the way he plays. But when he plays, he's really good. So you just got to kind of ride it out. One of those that I think you have to ride out. I'm totally with you there. Um, I believe Ronald Acuna will be back in the lineup tonight. Yeah, after he was returning from that. Today. MCL sprain. I think it was an MCL sprain. He tweeted he, out a picture of him hugging Ozzy Albies. <laughs> oh, send me that picture. I'll, send, I'll save that. Wait, what? Um, okay, easy one, a fun one. Now he joined. You know, he comes back into that NL East. There's another amazing young prospect in that same division, Juan Soto, or Ronald Acuna. The rest of season in stand, you know, twelve team league. Who do you like better? All right, this is gonna be surprising. I'm gonna take Acuna. Ooh, and do it, tell. it is nothing to do with. Juan Soto and I, hate I, 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 I texted yeah, me how much exactly. you hate. You love Juan Soto. I think Juan Soto is uh, a fantastic player, um, and I think he is going to be is is going to be a future star in this league um, mm-hmm. if he's not already starting to get there. But for fantasy, the profile of Ronald Acuna is is much sexier. He, he's fast. He can steal the bases. Uh, the Braves do let him run, and as much as the Braves manager, whose name I always mispronounce, so I'm not even going to try it. Snitker. <laughs> there, Snitker. Brian, there Brian Snitker. Um, has said that he likes Ozzy Albies and Ender and Ciarte uh, at the top of the lineup. 
Andir and Ciarte can't be hitting like 230 and continue to uh, to bat at the top of the lineup because Andir and Ciarte has been atrocious um, well, since oh, that hot streak. Only a 314 OBP too. It's like yeah. Usually we're talking 350 OBP with with Enciarte, and it's down to 314. That's tough. Your point there is that Acuna is going to be batting fifth. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that great greatly uh, impacts his fantasy value on the negative or plus side. Really, obviously, usually going down uh, the lineup can be a negative. I don't think it's a, a major change. Is the is the difference? I I don't know how much they let him run free. Do you th- hitting out of the counterpoint? Hole. Counterpoint: They let him run more because he's not in front of Freef, and and That's and a fair point. you know, taking the bat out of Freeman's hand perhaps by stealing second, and then they have the base open and say, well, let's not pitch this, you know, stud here and just get destroyed anyway. Let's IBB him and uh, and put him on. So maybe there's a, a a place where now when you're batting fifth, you're obviously in the heart of the lineup. There could be guys on. It could just stifle running opportunities that way. But my bottom line is, I don't think it it gravely changes the fantasy value moving from second to fifth. And to your point about Inciarte not getting his stuff together, if that doesn't turn around, then Acuna moves up. And then you go Albies, Acuna, Acuna, Albies, and holy crap, this team's going to be good for a while. So, uh, all right. Um, I think I'm taking Acuna as well, by the way. I really love Soto. It's the speed. It's it, The speed is the difference, and steals are just so helpful. Uh, these days, so I'm going to go with him as well. It, it, it's a, it's a risk reward proposition because I think if if you are looking for the upside, like shooting the moon type thing, Acuna is the answer. If you're if you're looking for safety, I think Soto's the answer. Soto's proven he belongs um, where Acuna hasn't. So like if you're looking for some sort of like spark plug, yeah, I would I would like I would do whatever it takes to go get Acuna. Um, but if if you uh, if you're looking for that level of safety with a mix of upside, it, it's it's Soto. I love that the 19 year old is the is, safe, but it's like it's, it's hard because he's proven. No, he's amazing. He, I mean, he's proven it. Like it's like you, like once you prove he's the a talent, you, you know, it, it's yours forever. And I mean, I think I think we've seen it uh, at this point. Um, whereas, as much as a, like everybody was hyped on Acuna coming up, like he sure. wasn't great. Like it wasn't awful. Well, he's- he started off great and then kind of tailed off and got hurt, but but he was still per- performing. And Soto will have his come down as well. I'm going with Acuna too. Um, you can't really go wrong. That's the beauty with these two young bucks. So all right, let's talk some buy high hitters. And uh, so these pitchers. guys are performing or pitchers. Excuse me, we talked hitters last time. Um, these guys are performing at a very high level. Uh, unexpected coming in to be this good, and now we're talking about hey, we've seen some things. Do we want to buy for the summer? And, uh, and what are we going to get out of them? Let's start with Philly because they've actually got a duo. One guy we've talked about for a while, and he's a little bit more of a known asset uh, right now. And I would say that you know, you're know you going to look at his 406 ERA and say, well, I'm not buying that high. I think Nick Pavetta, it, first off, I think he's better than a 406 ERA, but he's got a 123 whip and nearly 11 strikeouts per nine. So th- there's heat there. The bottom line is you'd have to pay anyway. So you can say a 406 ERA isn't that great and and – People wouldn't charge in the market. I guarantee you go in the market for Nick Pavetta. They're going to look at that 320 FIP and say, hey, this guy's pitching well. The other one, though, is Zach Eflin. 
who's got a 3.02 ERA through 10 starts with a 113 whip uh, over strikeout per well just over 57 and 56 and two thirds. But uh, the velocity is amped up. I remember he had that big first start where we were like. Oh, Zach Eflin out here striking out nine and throwing like 94, 95. He's maintained the velocity upgrade, sitting 94.3. And um, I think I missed that episode. I missed one of your J&J apps um, with, with Jason. And I think it was the one where he crapped on Eflin because he was tweeting or texting our, our group chain saying, I, I was so wrong on Eflin. I was like, I can't remember exactly what he said. So you'll have I'd, to fill I'd, us in. I don't even remember, honestly. Okay. Like, I, but he, he clearly is taking his L. You know, he's not running for the fact that he was crapping on Eflin. And now, holy cow, dude. So let's talk Pavetta and Eflin. Which uh, of the two are, are you buying high on? Would you buy both? And, uh, and and what are your thoughts on these guys? Oh, man. I think part of the problem with Eflin and, and the mistake that Jason, and I think I, I'm sure I did too. I'm sure I crapped on him too. So like I, I, I wasn't I'm not, buying. I'm not, so yeah, I'm not I wasn't buying either because the... you, you look at what he'd done previously in the majors and even in the minors, and there was no reason to believe that what he was doing early on in the season was sustainable. So, uh uh, you know, I'm believing it more and more now, especially because the stuff is better. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the fastball improvement is, is huge, going from 92 to 94 miles an hour. Um, you know, really plays up the secondary pitches a lot better. Uh, it's you know, I it's hard to believe that he can maintain the uh, the lack of home runs in Philadelphia. Uh, especially with the ground ball rate kind of being on the on the lower end. Yeah, he's uh, a fly ball guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eflin is for sure, and it's not like it's a massive infield fly ball rate too. Usually, if you see that big, the big fly ball rate um, and a low homer, you're like, okay, he gets a lot of pop ups, a lot of playable, easy contact. We're not necessarily seeing that, but we are seeing a seven percent homer to fly ball rate, which is in half from his career rate. So that's mm-hmm. just. You just betting and, on that and way to meander below, up, like the uh, the the league um, standard. I just I think there's some massive regression coming for Eflin. But, but to where? So he's a three hundred two ERA. Where do you got him the rest of the season? Three six three seven. From this point on, or he gets to from three, this six, point three. on. Okay, that's that's pretty good. Like I like I, I buy the stuff because the walk rate is down. Uh, the fastball's playing up the other pitches. Uh, he's not—he's not like he's getting super lucky in terms of BABIP or, or strand rate. Like those are in line with where they should be for a guy who's doing what he's doing. Um, I think—I mean—the swing and strike rate is—is is gone up uh, a ton. Like I believe a lot of the changes. Um, so it can't be this good, but it doesn't mean it can't be good. Well, that's nice then. Uh, uh, Mid threes for Eflin is something that everyone should be willing to buy, and I'm scooping that off the wire. Um, There there are gains behind his strikeout rate boost that make it believable, 11% swinging strike rate, uh, more sliders and change-ups, really getting into both of those pitches. I think both – or excuse me, just the slider. It's slider fastball that's really carrying his combo right now in terms of th- th- those two pitches have great pitch values. Changeup is interesting, though, because it's a minus 3.2, and he is using it more, but it is still kind of a show-me. It's 11%, so you're talking about a couple uh, a couple changeups a game. So it really is fastball slider, but Eflin's pitching really well. I believe it to a degree, and I'm kind of with 
where you are, upper three ZRA, but I'm I'm willing to buy that because there's going to be a home run regression. But you mentioned the walk rate, so when those homers come, they're likely not going to be, you know, multi multi run homers, a lot of solo yeah, shots. Six percent walk rate, and this is a guy who's shown good control in the past. Like he's mm-hmm. he's not a guy who's had double digit walk rates in the minor leagues or in, even in his major league samples that didn't go as well. So, uh, you know, you've you got a guy who's been a control pitcher who's added some velocity, and these are the kind of steps we look uh, to kind of predict breakouts. And I don't know how we necessarily miss this one, but now that it's here, I, I'm not saying he we should run away changed, from it. Though. He completely yeah. changed. So uh, credit to Eflin there. Now, Pavetta, I think everyone already knows how I feel about him. I'm very pro I would be buying. I would try to leverage that 406 ERA into uh, a fairer price. But again, I don't think – I think a lot of the people that have Pavetta on their team are kind of Pavetta backers. So you're not going to you're not gonna pull the wool over too many and be like, well, look at that ERA. Just be straight up. Say, listen, I'm looking to buy. He's got big strikeouts. What, what do you want? Um, do you believe in, in buying Nick Pavetta? I do. I, I, I've been on board the Pavetta train for a while. FIP and XFIP, both uh, a run lower about uh, than, than the ERA. Uh, love the strikeouts. Again, not walking people. So, you know, even when he does give up home runs, which, you know, he's at a, a really fair, reasonable rate, which I don't expect to go up or down, really, um, it's not going to hurt him that much. Uh, I think, you know, do I wish the fastball played a little bit better? Sure, but, I, yeah. you know, it's like it's nitpicking. He's got two other nice pitches. Uh, you know, 12% swing and strike rate. I think there's reasons to feel like uh, he's going to progress rather than regress like uh, Eflin. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with Pavetta, and I think he can be kind of a 330 to 360 guy the rest of the way. I, that's that's kind of the projection I'd give him, obviously. When when you're projecting for that, it's just a couple good starts away from, from really being special. So I'd be buying shares of Nick Pavetta without a doubt. Uh, all right, let's move on to our, our next guy here, Ross Stripling, out there for the Dodgers. They're starting to get guys back, though, too, and I know I've gotten some questions. I don't know that I would be worried about this, but it's fair to ask just because it's the Dodgers if he even holds his spot, especially um, because he you know wasn't a full-time starter last year. However, Ross Stripling's 28. He's not some young arm who's still in the in the – thick of the injury nexus to where they have to greatly protect his innings. I think even with the fact that he only threw like 80 innings last year and he's got, I think, well, 77 so far this year. In fact, yeah, he had 77 last year. He's got 77 this year. So everything he does from this point on is is setting uh, a high over last year's mark. But I don't think you have to baby him and only give him like 120 innings. I think you can let this guy throw another 85 without really worrying too much about it. But is Ross Stripling going to you know, keep his firm spot in that rotation as he should? Again, I'm only asking because it's the Dodgers, not because I think that they should take him out. But he's been amazing, 198 ERA, 108 whip, 10.4 strikeouts, 1.4 walks. Ross Stripling, you buying high? I just traded for him in oh, then uh, you are. the Invitational. Um, what did you give, good sir? I gave David Peralta and Clayton Richard. Okay. Oh, yes. I love David Peralta. I do too. Nick, if, Nick, if you're listening, what's up? Uh, Nick laughs at how much I talk about David Peralta and Derek Dietrich. He's like, well, you love those two guys. I do. Okay. And they're awesome. And Peralta's having a power 
breakout. Clayton Richards, solid innings eater type, but but I like I like that deal. I think that's a fair deal for both sides, but I really like that you got Stripling for that because he's been great, man, in the tunneling of the way his fastball and curveball work together. When you watch Stripling, because you might look at the profile and be like, Oh, 198 ERA. Not that we're saying that's going to continue, but like, what? Look at all these strikeouts. There's not many walks. He throws 92. What is this? Then you go watch him and you see how much he keeps hitters off balance with those breaking balls um, in, in comparison to the fastball. And the fastball plays up. I bet if you were to interview guys who, who faced him and, and talk about his velocity, they would say that it plays much harder than 92. It, and it really does. And it's one of those things where. When he first started on this hot streak, I kind of crapped on him. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was like, you know, this isn't anything. But I hadn't gone back and watched his, you know, the starts from this year. And when I did, I was super impressed uh, and super bummed that I had traded him in like three dynasty leagues. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I should have kept him. (laughs) Like, it's just, oh, no, why did I do that? Especially because I'm in one dynasty league that's 30 teams, 100 man rosters. Holy smokes. So, I mean, like, this is, like, where I learn about minor leagues, and it's the only yes. reason I'm in the league is so I can learn more and more about my, like, low-end minor You're using minor it leagues. for content. You're like, yeah, i got to exactly. write this prospect report. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to be in this it, league. It's totally, like, you know, this is the only way I learn about the prospects is by rostering guys who are, like, you know, 40th-round draft pick selections and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But, uh <laughs> So then I went back and watched him because he kept doing it. And I was like, all right, well, now I got to, if he's going to continue to, you know, have these results, I've got to go watch him. And you're right. It just, I don't know what he did in the off season to make these pitches work better together. I mean, we talked about on, uh, I think on the podcast, we did our rank most recent pitching rankings, you know, that gif that uh, pitching ninja threw out there. Like, it's like, like how do you, his mechanics are so clean and the release point is is so spot on between the two pitches, and then they they end up in opposite spots. You know, one is in the dirt, and one is a high fastball. It's like how, as a hitter, are you supposed to figure out what's coming at you? Um, You're not. And it just it, yeah, you just can't. And that's why he's been so successful. And I see no reason why he can't continue to do it. Maybe there is an innings cap, but. What the Dodgers need to do, and I don't know that they will do this, but they've done you know things like this in the past, they need a six-man rotation because they need to figure yeah. out a way to keep the rest of that pitching staff healthy, and the way to do that is to, is to, is to spread out the risk a little bit and keep Stripling in the rotation, keep Bueller in the rotation, um, and make a six-man rotation that protects guys like Hill and Kershaw and Alex Wood. Because, I mean... The only person in this rotation that's been healthy is Ross Stripling. A stripling, exactly. So it's like, and how do you take that out of your rotation? Y- you can't. And that's why I said, like, I only bring it up because the Dodgers are the Dodgers and they are always moving things around. But you look at what he's done, and if you take him out, you're, you're crazy. Um, so go, we're talking Kershaw, Stripling, Wood, Maeda, Bueller, Hill. That would be the six. Hill will kind of take care of himself because you know he'll be out again at some point. But then they can just fill in with the, uh, you know, Caleb Stewart's, or excuse me, Caleb Ferguson, Brock Stewart's of the world, Dennis Santana. Um, but I think it might be, you know, I rarely call on a six man because it, it takes starts away from the guys that we have. But 
it might be the best way to maximize. But Stripling's not going anywhere. I think we're both buying. You already did buy. You put your money where your mouth is. I've got him in a couple leagues already. Bought him off the wire, and I'm not. I'm not trading him. I'm not, unless someone bowled me over and just gave me something that, you know, I didn't really deserve. I'm not trying to trade Ross Stripling in like an even up deal. I'm just going to go ahead and ride this out. I don't think he's a sub two ERA guy. Shocking, I know, but I think he's again in that um, like. 330 360 range rest of season with a boatload of strikeouts and that's just for a projection that's like the conservative projection you could talk a couple extra good starts and boom we're, we're down in the low threes uh sub two or excuse me sub three area all right next up tyler skaggs tyler skaggs has been pitching really well this year i know our own nick pollock um has been a little bit suspect on him i've been keeping an eye on skaggs because of that because nick's like ah you know be careful here I don't see a lot, and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep an eye then because I don't have skags anywhere. So sometimes you kind of make a mental note to keep an eye on those guys um, just so you don't lose track of quality players just because they're not on one of your teams. And he's been fantastic as well this year. Skaggs has 26% strikeout rate, career-high 11% swinging strike rate. He's never really walked guys except one year in 16, and I believe he was dealing with injuries. So he's at 7% there. The strand rate is super high, 83%. Babbitt's up at 322 as well, and he's kind of he's kind of survived that. So even if you thought maybe the left on base rate would come down, maybe the Babbitt could come down as well, thanks to that team defense. I will say he's always been a career guy around 300, so I wouldn't project a ton of Babbitt regression for Tyler Skaggs. But as I mentioned, I like that infield defense. Uh, they did lose Cozart, but anytime you got Angleton, Kinsler's still pretty good with the glove too. I think that that can steal some uh, steal some ground balls and turn them into outs that most teams wouldn't necessarily. And even if you just kind of look at the ERA indicators, FIP and, and Sierra and all that, they still are pretty favorable on Skaggs. So um, I think I might have to get a revisit from Nick now because we, we talked about him months ago. Where are you on Tyler Skaggs and his uh, strong performance so far this year? I've always been a Tyler Skaggs apologist. <laughs> so you'll continue that then. This so, is, it's yeah. easy now. Like Now you can be like, well, look, it's 269 ERA. How nice is that? I, you know, here, here's the here's the only problem is like I'm always waiting for the wheels to fall off, and it's not about skills because the skills have been there. It's the health, and so like I I continue to ride it. Um, would I go out and buy him right now? I don't know that I would because I I'm just afraid the injury bug is going to happen. I mean, he hasn't thrown a hundred innings at the major league level since 2014. Uh, I don't believe he's ever thrown 120, and he's already at 87. So, I mean, the, the simple math is he's due pretty soon to get hurt, and uh, the entire Angels pitching staff gets hurt all the time. So, I mean, obviously they've got someone in the clubhouse, like, spiking the water or something like that, or, or like, maybe, like, giving them dead arms before they go out and pitch. Uh, so I, like, I, I wouldn't buy in it, but like if, if you bought in on it and I hope you did, because this was a guy that I talked about, I'm pretty sure on our starting pitcher preview with Nick, um, as a guy that I like and a guy that I, that I always kind of fall for, uh, just keep, continue to ride it out until the wheels fall off. Cause there's no reason to think that what he's doing isn't legitimate. Maybe not to the extent that it is in terms of the RA, it's going to go over three at some point. But yeah. still, another you know mid threes guy that's striking people out that has always shown these skills uh, and just has never been able to put it together at health. 
you know, you say it all the time, like you'd rather bank on the skills and hope the health comes, you know, comes down the road um, as opposed to, you know, you know, banking on the health and hoping the skills get there. Exactly. And I would recommend folks um, go to Skaggs's page. You can check out from uh, May 19th, the Tyler Skaggs myth. You can look at Nick's piece. And then just a day later, uh, we did our podcast and and, oh, and he was talked about. Because we had uh, a big difference there because I was much higher on Skag, so I got him to talk th- more thoroughly there. And you can hear some more in-depth thoughts. I know that's a month and a half old, um, and I will follow up with Nick this Sunday and just kind of – if we don't do a full focus on him, it will be like a final thoughts thing. Hey, what, what's your latest on Tyler Skaggs? Are you seeing anything you like now? But uh, I'm kind of with you. I wouldn't necessarily go out to buy him because of the health track record. But here's the thing. A lot of people are in a dire situation with pitching. I don't know that you're going to get uh, overcharged for Tyler Skaggs. So that is a reason that I would be more interested in at least testing the market saying, okay, I do need some pitching. This one might not cost me everything I have. Let's see where Skaggs is at. So depending on the market, I, I know everything depends on the market, but I'm saying with Skaggs specifically, I think he's more likely to be cheaper than basically everyone we've talked about except maybe Eflin. I think he's going to be cheaper than Stripling and everyone we talked about. We talked about three guys, Paul. But I think he's going to be cheaper than Stripling and Pavetta um, and then a little bit more expensive than Eflin, I think. And probably cheaper than the next two guys we're talking about, too. Correct. Mike Clevenger and uh, Eduardo Rodriguez are, are, the, are those two guys. Let's start with Clevenger. Now, Clevenger had juice coming into the season. He's not really a surprise necessarily, but he's continued to be great. And, you know, he just kind of – kind of seems to be following uh, uh, right in in Bauer's footsteps, right? I, I kind of see them somewhat similar in terms of like nasty stuff, lots of strikeouts, kind of figuring it out. And and I think because they're both 27-year-old righties too. I mean, they don't have the same pedigree coming up, but I'm just like, oh, Bauer reaches this level and then, and then Clevenger kind of follows suit a little bit later. Had that great year last year. Cut into his walks this year, but it was costing him some strikeouts it seemed. But you know what? He's figured it out and said, okay, now I can make this work while getting the strikeouts. The strikeouts have really returned of late. He had back-to-back 10-plus uh, strikeout outings, then was back down to four in five innings against St. Louis. It's that you know doesn't have to be 10-plus every game, but now we're looking at 30 over his last 26 innings. Clevenger's got a 3.03 ERA, a more palatable walk rate, even at the cost of some strikeouts, but a 118 whip. I would rather this profile than the one last year, though, uh, because it's a better whip, and I can get my strikeouts elsewhere. You know, I think it's harder to get somebody who's got a good whip than it is for somebody for strikeouts. So I like this Clevenger. I would buy high on this. How about yourself? Uh, he was the guy I was trying to get in that stripling trade. So he was he was the uh, he was the main target. Stripling yeah. was the consolation. Okay. So uh, yeah, I mean, this is you know, and it was, and we almost had a deal done. He was like, well, I'd rather give up stripling, and I was like, you know, I'm not going to push back too hard on. Yeah. On the guy, especially because he's English and, you know, I mean, <laughs> Tom Pringle from uh, uh, Bat Flips and Nerds. He's, he's a great guy. Uh, go follow him on Twitter. Uh, there you go. So uh, really great, like 80 grade Twitter uh, handle. Uh, at Pedro- it really is. At Pedroia's face. Um, that's, that, that, that's a tremendous one. And come on. Yeah. It's perfect. But uh, Clev Dog. Yeah. You're in. I, I, in, I am, I'm completely in. And, uh, you know, when we had our uh, little uh, – our, our pitcher ranks, uh, I think it looks like on the 14th of uh, June, I had him in my top 25. 
uh, starters. Uh, since then, he has, I think, a sub-2 ERA and, uh, like you said, two, two, uh, two games where he threw double-digit strikeouts against the uh, against the White Sox. So I think uh, Kyle Gibson needs to give him a call and figure out, figure out how to pitch against the White Sox because uh, that seems to be the only team he can't beat. Um, right. And it's just there's nothing not to love about it. Almost a 50% ground ball rate. Uh, so even when he is uh, letting the ball get into play, it's being eaten up by Francisco Lindor uh, and Jose Ramirez for the most part. Uh, you know, it's uh, the hard contact isn't, you know, out of the ordinary, getting good swings and misses outside of the zone. Uh, I don't see what there isn't to like about Clevenger. And I think, for some reason, even though he was a really trendy sleeper this year, it feels like people aren't giving him the credit he deserves because we're in the midst of a breakout and no one's really paying attention. I think it's the full season strikeout rate with Clevenger, so I totally agree. I had him 39th on that. He'll be moving up. By the way, new ranks out next week, uh, probably Monday. I think I'll be able to get it done, get it up Monday. So Clevenger will be moving up without a doubt. I'm also buying high. Eduardo Rodriguez was the other one we mentioned. Goes tonight against the Yankees. Big outing uh, for him. I think he had a five scoreless uh, outing against them earlier this year. And, you know, I have a pretty uh, – I have a larger threshold or a wider I don't know how I'm trying to say this. I'm trying to say I start guys in tough uh, situations, guys like this, where I'm like, could you bench him? Sure. Somebody asked in my chat, I said, without context, I I am assuming it's a shallower league and you kind of want to sit him. Fine. I wouldn't. Sometimes I balance like exactly what I would do versus kind of the general general advice I give. And I I hate doing that because I want to just – do like a thousand percent what I would do, but I have a different threshold for starters, like especially in Roto. I know it sucks to take a bad outing, but it's like I can make up for it head to head, especially going into the weekend. I can understand maybe being really cautious here if you were doing well, but for me, a guy like Eduardo who's been pitching really well, this fits what you were saying earlier. My my mantra of like bet on the skills and just kind of prey on the health. The dude's got the skills, and he's been great. Nick and I talked about him uh, a while ago, and I thought Nick you know, had him too high because of the health concern. And he's like, well, I'm going to follow your mantra. I was like, you know what? You're right. I'm in. He, he t- turned me on that, that one, and he's been great. Uh, a little shaky last time out. It was the second one in a row against Seattle. That happens a lot. You see the two in a row, and it's like one good, one bad. Uh, one bad, one good. It, it happens a lot. It ends up kind of being uh, a 50-50 sort of thing. Gets New York, like I said, through five shutout against them, one hit ball uh, in New York back on May 10th. Eduardo Rodriguez, you buying high on him? I think I am. You know, I, I mean, definitely. The, like a couple of the guys we've talked about, like the biggest concern is that he stays on the field, and uh, I I feel like you 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 make that you make that bet, especially with that offense behind him. Um, it just it seems like he is taking the step that we've been waiting for for a few years. The walk rate is down. Uh, you know, he's keeping the ball in the yard for, uh, you know, a decent amount for a guy who's pitching in Fenway and pitching in the AL East. Uh, yeah, there's not really much to be concerned about in terms of the overall profile. And he's finally healthy. This is what happens when a guy who's been injury prone is finally healthy. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, I th- I think maybe I underrated him in our uh, in our ranks last time. 
And the reason I was particularly worried is because it's the same injury. It's that lower half mm-hmm. with the knees. And so that was, that's what always had me concerned about Eduardo, but he's now had a bout of health. Um, and Which has maybe guarantee- saved the arm, though, too, because like he doesn't have the miles that you exactly. would expect, um, even though he's young anyways. But like maybe this maybe this is the kind of guy I would buy in long-term on in a dynasty or keeper league because he doesn't have all those innings racked up on the shoulder. Despite coming up at age 22, you're exactly right there. So, uh, well, yeah, we're buying we're buying the lefty Red Sox uh, hurler there, Eduardo Rodriguez. Again, going to be dialed in on his start tonight against a tough Yankees opponent, uh, and let's see if he can if he can do it again. Got two here to finish off. These are kind of the deep league ones, and I want to get your thoughts on on the Rockies guy because Nick and I talked about a bunch of Rockies. So it's Kyle Freeland and Freddie Peralta. Um, let's start with Freeland. Would you buy high on the Rockies lefty who? seems to be able to survive in Coors, and he's a pretty solid arm. Oh, man. this I, I don't want to because he's pitching in Coors. It, it's tough, right? So it's the context of being a deep league where you can take on somebody in Coors. A lot of these guys that we've talked about so far uh, do have a lot of mixed league viability. I think Eflin's probably the closest to Freeland here in terms of the, the league viability that you would want them. But Pavetta, Stripling, Skaggs, Clevenger, and Eduardo, we're talking about in all formats. Eflin and Freeland and Peralta, I think you start to get a cut or two deeper. So keep that context in mind here. And so we've built in the risk of, of course, here. Let's assess Freeland just as a, as his, his skills. He's got a 50% ground ball rate, which helps in course. He is 13th among qualified starters in soft contact percentage. Another thing that helps. His fly ball rate is 33%, so it's not crazy high, um, but he's keeping the home run to fly ball rate down. The stuff isn't the stuff isn't great, but it's succeeding because uh, he gets so many ground balls. It's a kitchen sink approach too. He's got yeah. he's got a bunch of pitches that he can kind of hurl at you Kyle Freeland does. But the fastball is better this year uh, than it was last year. Mm-hmm. Um, in spite of the fact that the velocity has is down a tick, now he may gain that over the season, and but he's throwing he's throwing the fastball less, throwing the changeup more, and I think that's helping him induce some more ground balls. Completely agree. I, they're going to be blowups because he pitches in Colorado. It's just going to happen. Um, but I think he is a guy that is worth holding on to for longer periods, especially if they're on road trips. Okay. Yeah. So obviously you're trying to fulfill the, uh, what Nick calls the Rocky mountain way where you're starting him at home against terrible offenses and then starting him on the road. But, uh, we like Kyle Freeland a little bit here on, on, on this show. It's always treacherous with a, with a Rockies arm and he doesn't have like great strikeouts to make up for it. So this That's is really more part. of a, a rotation filler here, even accounting for the context. I do have a hard time buying in on somebody at course. So if I'm trying to fix my pitching and this, we're talking about buying high and, and paying a price that, uh, you know, much higher than it would have been because you could have plucked him off the wire. I mean, you still can pluck Kyle Freeland off some waiver wires. So to that end, no, I'm not really trading for him, but I do believe he can maintain, even if it's just last year's 410 ERA the rest of the season, there's value in that in NL only deep mixers. But it really doesn't go much further than that because of the the lack of strikeouts. So I'm not really buying. Interestingly enough, his strikeouts 
are way bigger against lefties than righties. Okay. He's got a third. Well, no, he is a lefty strike. though, so that. Oh makes no, sense. That, okay, that's right. I yeah, yeah. he was a lefty. So he's running. He's running that uh, the fastball cutter combo. He's one and of those then, guys but, that I don't think about enough to remember. <laughs> is usually there's always guys like that though. We have the wrong handedness. I, I you know, did an article. Guys. I think it was at the beginning of the year. Yes. About all the guys that you could never remember, like if they're lefty or righties. And it's just so true because you're like, no, no, the way he pitches, he has to be like a junk bowling lefty, and you're like, no, he's a righty. Uh, Freddie Peralta, the fastball god, he's back and he's and he's kicking butt again. He had those couple starts, went down to the minors. Now he's back, and uh, I mean, it's really interesting, right? Because it's not just like only four seamers. Here you go. It's 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 fastball varieties, but it's it's fastball heavy. Like that's that's what's doing the work. Uh, when he made that first start, speaking of Coors Field, uh, it was in Coors Field, and he struck out thirteen and five and two thirds. He's come back now and struck out seventeen in thirteen innings at Pittsburgh and home to KC allowing three hits in that time. Uh, what was highlighted when he had the, the Colorado start was the extension that he gets and that he makes his fastball play up. It's at 91.3 on average, but it plays up. And then you mix it with the curve, and then you start to get kind of that similar raw stripling tunneling there where it's like they're dialed up for this fastball, they're ready, and then boom, the bottom falls out for, for the curveball. It's hard to not look at a 42% strikeout rate, 15% swinging strike rate, and have your eyes bug out. But are you buying in on on 22-year-old Freddie Peralta to continue to be a strong fantasy asset, let's say 330 ERA or better? 330, no. 350 or better? No. I'm going to keep 370 or better. No. Oh, shit. You're going 4 ERA. Yeah, he's a 4 ERA guy for me. Okay. Um, and like, here's the thing: like, this is one of those guys where his value really fluctuates format to format. Mm-hmm. Because in a head-to-head points league, this guy could be a monster. Uh, be, just the amount of strikeouts he could rack up, uh, the amount of innings he could do with those strikeouts. Uh, if they don't put an innings cap on him, now the problem is, uh, I think there's a real chance they do put an innings cap on him. Uh, By the way. I will have a piece on uh, potential innings caps next week, so stay tuned for that. Because, yeah, he he only threw 100, oh, I guess he threw 130, 120-something last year. Um, so maybe it's not a huge innings cap because he's at, what, 81 innings so far? Oh, that's not, that's not bad at all, So then. maybe, so, like, in a head-to-head points format, I love this guy because he's going to get strikeouts. If you know if there's no innings cap, then he, he could score you a ton of points where the blowups won't hurt quite as much. Mm-hmm. But the blowups are coming because he loses the command at times. Uh, and I mean, this is you know you saw that second start where he just got absolutely thrashed uh, is because he he couldn't find the zone. And there are going to be times where his funky mechanics get like that, and it's going to be hard to figure out when those times are coming because after he went in and decimated Colorado, everybody thought he was a must start at Minnesota. Oh, of course, you know, and um, they paid, you know, and plus you, you're coming off paying a, a huge fab price. Mm-hmm. You're not sitting him for that. Like uh, that's kind of like a fantasy flaw of like, you know, I just paid this. I have to use him here. Although again, I'm not saying 
that anybody should have been sitting him there. I'm just saying no, like, you shouldn't there are those scenarios where you buy somebody and you should maybe sit him for that first start, but you're like, nah, I just paid 200 fab, man. I'm, I'm starting this guy, no doubt. But we uh, talked but yeah. about him on this podcast before that second start, and I said like this is the potential for the blow-up could happen, and then it happens, and he gets and sent down. So like there is a ton of risk, and in Roto, I don't know that I want to play with that unless – I'm really looking for strikeouts. If I'm looking for strikeouts, if that's my big deficiency, then sure, you go for it and you hope for the best that he doesn't crush you in ERA and whip. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I think we, we see these last two starts and we go, ooh, okay, he, he's maybe he's putting it together. Well, the next one may be the one where he walks five or six or seven guys and crushes you because he gets hit with a home run after that. So, you know, I'm... I'm not buying in that this is a guy that is going to be reliable enough in roto leagues for me to own, um, unless I, like I said, I'm I'm looking for those strikeouts. Okay, so if you're if you're strikeout deficient, that's your main thing, and then the ERA whip aren't your your primary focuses. Then Freddie Peralta is the guy for you. Then, um, yeah, I like what he's doing, and I fully recommend that if you have MLB or the ability to watch games. Watch one of his starts and, and see it because I understand the skepticism as a box score scouter only. And you're saying, well, all these fastballs, what is it? But then you watch and you're like, these hitters don't know what the hell they're doing. Well, it, the mechanics are so weird. It really hides the ball. Yep. Um, it's, uh, I just worry that he can't continuously repeat them game after game. And that that's my, you know, it's because you look at the numbers, you go, okay, well, he's got a high walk rate, but because he doesn't give up home runs. Uh, at least he hasn't in the minor leagues for the most part, uh, then he's probably pretty safe. It just for me, I just worry about you know what happened in the Minnesota game is is you know he he couldn't repeat the mechanics and mm-hmm. the ball went everywhere. And six walks. Mm-hmm. So they, that's staying right sitting right there, that Minnesota start telling you what could happen. And going to Pittsburgh and beating up KC is not some murderer's row, right? It's not a murderer's row, but KC doesn't strike out that much against right-handed pitching, and so to get so ten to get on ten was hit. actually very impressive. Yeah, no, I, I like Peralta. Um, for him, it's definitely a situation. I'm like, let me see what this market is charging to, because I don't know where the market is, and I do think that of the guys we've listed, his market could vary the most. Where I'm in one league and I got this great deal, and you're in another league, and and they were charging you an arm and a leg, and you were just like, no, I couldn't pay that. Like. I, I think things are going to be pretty consistent with Pavetta, Skaggs, Clevenger, Eduardo, and then Freeland will live up to his name. He'll pretty much be free. And then um, did I mention Pavetta? No, I did. I said um, – so that leaves Peralta and Eflin. I think those are going to be pretty varied in terms of if you catch the wrong believer, uh, he's going to charge you through the roof. If you catch the right person who's like not so into this, that might give you a good deal. So, all right. I think that's going to wrap us up. Good to talk to you, man. It's been too long. And uh, what's what's the schedule this weekend? Are you guys are you guys going? You and J- Jason? Uh, I got to talk Have to you Jason. Talked? I, I, yeah, let's let's. We've been off a couple weeks, so uh, let's get the text fired up because uh, your boy might join that one as well. But if not, then yeah, we'll, it, we'll try you guys to definitely do it. Do that, and then hopefully, I think you and I are going to have a guest episode next week. We are. Do you want to give the name? Sure, because I mean, he said he's off all week, so like, there's no reason not to 
get him on. So yeah, yeah, we haven't even one hundred percent confirmed, but it will happen. Yeah, it's totally gonna happen. Sammy, Reed, Sammy, who's, who's, Sammy, MF, and Reed, boys, who's like hey, my boy, and I, I love that guy, and he's uh, he's tremendous. Yeah, I was actually I just talked him up on uh, on the Fancy Pros podcast. So. Well, there you go. You're talking him up here too. We're gonna have Sammy on. Um, Nick and I will be back Sunday fireside, perhaps a J and J and maybe a Paul podcast. We'll see how long Paul streams on Saturday night. Um, but Justin, great talking with you and I'll talk to you in a little bit. fair advantage to dominate your fantasy baseball league well look no further and download squad ql the only mobile app you need to crush your friends and rivals this year download squad ql for free for your apple and android devices squad ql recommends the best starting lineup each day based on your starters bench players and free agent pool how does squad ql actually do this the app connects directly with your yahoo espn and cbs leagues pulling in your actual roster your league scoring system the app also provides waiver wire recommendations daily updates to player rankings and much more head to the apple app or google play stores to download squad ql your all-in-one fantasy baseball manager squad ql is brought to you by the creators of roto ql the leading daily fantasy lineup optimizer trusted by over 100,000 DFS players. You can also download RotoQL for free for both Apple and Android.